Chapter Four of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Three, by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four. If it were not for some few particulars, might as well be passed over as read. Miss Betsy, one would think, had now sufficient matters to employ her meditations on the score of those two lovers who at present laid close siege to her neither of whom she was willing to part entirely with and to retain either she found required some management mr munden was beginning to grow impatient at the little progress his long courtship had made on her affections and sir frederick finier on the other hand was for bringing things to a conclusion at once she was also every day receiving transient addresses from many others which though not meant seriously by those that made them nor taken so by her served occasionally to fill up any vacuum in her mind yet was it not in the power of love gallantry or any other amusement to drive the memory of mr trueworth wholly out of her head which shows that to a woman of sense a man of real merit even though he is not loved can never be totally indifferent but she was at this time more than ordinarily agitated on that gentleman's account she doubted not but her brother frank either had or would shortly have a long conference with him on the subject of his desisting his visits to her and could not keep herself from feeling some palpitations for the event for though she was not resolved to afford any recompense to his love she earnestly wished he should continue to desire it and that she might still preserve her former dominion over a heart which she had always looked upon as the most valuable prize of all that her beauty had ever gained thus unreasonable and indeed unjust was she in the affairs of love in all others she was humane benevolent and kind but here covetous even to greediness of receiving all without any intention of making the least return in fine the time was not yet come when she should be capable of being touched with that herself which she took so much pride to inspire in others though she could not love she was pleased with being loved no man of what degree or circumstance soever could offend her by declaring himself her admirer and as much as she despised sir frederick finier for his romantic manner of expressing the passion he professed for her yet to have missed him out of the number of her train of captives would have been little less mortification to her than the loss of a favourite lover would have been to some other women the enamorato of all enamoratos would not however suffer the flame which he flattered himself with having kindled in her to grow cool and ambitious also of showing his talents in verse as well as prose sent her that morning the following epistle to the bright goddess of my soul the adorable miss betsy thoughtless most divine source of joy to show you in what manner i pass the hours of absence from you and at the same time represent the case of a lover racked with suspense and tossed alternately between hopes and fears i take the liberty to inscribe to you the enclosed poem which i most humbly beseech you to take as it is meant the tribute of my duteous zeal an humble offering presented at the shrine of your all-glorious beauty from 
lovely ruler of my heart your eternally devoted and no less faithful slave f Finia. a true picture of my heart in the different stages of its worship a poem most humbly inscribed to the never enough defied miss betsy thoughtless when first from my unfinished sleep i start i feel a fluttering faintness round my heart a darksome mist which rises from my mind and like sweet sunshine leaves your name behind when from your shadow to yourself i fly to drink in transport at my thirsty eye each orb surveys you with a kindling sight and trembles to sustain the vast delight from head to foot o'er all your heaven they stray dazzled with lustre in your milky way at last you speak and as i start to hear my soul is all collected in my ear but when resistless transport makes me bold and your soft hand enclosed in mine i hold then flooding raptures swim through every vein and each swollen artery throbs with pleasing pain fain would i snatch you to my longing arms and grasp in ecstasy your blazing charms and then how vain with wish that i pursue i would lose all myself and mix with you involved embodied with your beauties join as fires meet fires and mingle in their shine absorbed in bliss i would dissolving lie become all you and soul and body die weigh well these symptoms and then judge in part the poignant anguish of the bleeding heart of him who is with unutterable love resplendent charmer your hoping fearing languishing adorer f Finia. p s i propose flying to the feet of my adorable about five o'clock this afternoon do not i beseech you clip the wings of my devotion by forbidding my approach how acceptable to a vain mind is even the meanest testimony of admiration if miss betsy was not charmed with the elegance of this offering she was at least very well pleased with the pains he took in composing it in the humour she then was she would perhaps have rewarded the labour of his brain with giving him an opportunity of kissing her shoe a second time but she expected her brother frank about the hour he mentioned with some intelligence of mr trueworth and had engaged to pass the evening abroad as had been already mentioned she sent however a very complacent message by the servant who brought the letter she ordered he should come up to her dining-room and then with a great deal of sweetness desired him to tell his master that she was under a necessity of spending the whole day with some relations that were just come to town therefore entreated he would defer the honour he intended her till some other time mr francis thoughtless did indeed call upon her as she imagined he would he had been at the lodgings of mr trueworth but that gentleman happened to be abroad at the time he went and he was now obliged to go with his brother on some business relating to the commission he was about to purchase so could not stay long enough with her to enter into any conversation of moment miss betsy had now full two hours upon her hands after her brother left her to which she had appointed mr munden to come to conduct her to the country dancing and as she had not seen miss mabel for a good while and had heard that lady had made her several visits when she was not at home to receive them she thought to take this opportunity of having nothing else to do 
to return part of the debt which civility demanded from her to her friend accordingly she set out in a hackney coach but met with an accident by the way which not only disappointed her intentions but likewise struck a strange damp on the gaiety of her spirits as they were driving pretty fast through a narrow street a gentleman's chariot run full against them with such rapidity that both received a very great shock insomuch that the wheels were locked and it was not without some difficulty and the assistance of several people who seeing what had happened ran out of their shops and houses that the coachmen were able to keep their horses from going on which had they done both the machines must inevitably have been torn to pieces there were two gentlemen in the chariot who immediately jumped out miss betsy screaming and frightened almost to death was also helped out of the coach by a very civil tradesman before whose door the accident had happened he led her into his shop and made her sit down while his wife ran to fetch a glass of water and some hartshorn drops her extreme terror had hindered her from discovering who was in the chariot or whether any one was there but the gentleman had crossed the way and come into the same shop she presently knew she presently knew the one to be sir basil lovett and the other mr trueworth her surprise at sight of the latter was such as might have occasioned some raillery if it had not been concealed under that which she had sustained before sir basil approached her with a very respectful bow and made a handsome apology for the fault his man had committed in not giving way when a lady was in the coach to which she modestly replied that there could be no fault when there was no design of offending mr trueworth then drawing near with a very cold and reserved air told her he hoped she would receive no prejudice by the accident i believe the danger is now over said she struck to the very heart at finding herself accosted by him in a manner so widely different from that to which she had been accustomed scarce had she the fortitude to bear the shock it gave her but summoning to her aid all that pride and disdain could supply her with to prevent him from perceiving how much she was affected by his behaviour i could not however pursued she with a tone of voice perfectly ironical have expected to receive any consolation under this little disaster from mr trueworth i imagine sir that some weeks ago you had been reposing yourself in the delightful bowers and sweet recesses of your country seat how often have i heard you repeat with pleasure these lines of mr addison's bear me ye gods to umbria's gentle seats or hide me in sweet bayer's soft retreats yet still i find you in this noisy bustling town she concluded these words with a forced smile which mr trueworth taking no notice of replied with the same gravity as before i purposed indeed madam to have returned to oxfordshire but events then unforeseen have detained me while they were speaking sir basil recollecting the face of miss betsy which till now he had not done cried i think madam i have had the honour of seeing you before this yes sir basil replied she knowing very well he meant at miss forwards you saw me once in a place where neither you nor any one else will ever see me again but i did not then know the character of the person i visited to which sir basil only replying that he believed she did not 
Mr. Trueworth immediately rejoined that the most cautious might be once deceived. The emphasis with which he uttered the word once made Miss Betsy see that he bore still in mind the second error she had been guilty of in visiting that woman, but she had no time to give any other answer than a look of scorn and indignation. Sir Basil's footman telling him the chariot was now at liberty, and had received no damage, on which the gentlemen took their leave of her, Mr. Trueworth showing no more concern in doing so than Sir Basil himself, or any one would have done, who never had more than a mere cursory acquaintance with her. She would not be persuaded to go into the coach again, much less could she think of going on her intended visit, but desired a chair to be called, and went directly home in order to give vent to those emotions which may easier be conceived than represented. End of chapter 4